Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you this morning. Good morning. The kids may be dismissed. Glory to God. God bless you guys. It's just awesome. It's been awesome. God is great, greatly to be praised. And uh, we just thank the Lord for this daughter or this of the kingdom of God. I'm talking about uh, Pastor Yvette. Is she awesome? I mean, did she, did she not cut you? She didn't cut you no slack, right? She laid all that stuff right out and then told you eight weeks discipleship. You go to work every day, seven days a week sometimes, and then she laid that right out there, getting those discipleship meetings. One of my friends, our friends, named um, Bonnie Shavda. She's famous for this statement. The daughter of a lion is a lion. And she makes the point that the most vicious of the male and female lion is the female. And she's the one that protects the children. Now, and you saw the daughter of a lion right there. And she did not play around. I just want to thank the Lord for all of you and uh, for the way you've loved um, my wife and me uh, through this last year. You guys have been a tremendous blessing, and I get uh, choked up over it, and um, I want to thank the Lord for your prayers, um, for all the things that uh, we're challenged with. I think that this last year has been a great year um, for the pilgrimage of the call of God on our lives. Uh, Certainly, some of it, like the situation with my wife, wasn't something that I was prepared for. It wasn't something that I uh, knew was going to happen, but it has happened. And and I know that right now, God is looking at me. And he's paying attention to see if I would make a decision different than what he's allowed to happen. And there are things in the scriptures that are fixed. And uh, one of them is, uh, in all things give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Um, And on and on that we have to do it uh, to make sure God is getting the glory. And he's reminded me that, number one, he created me. He created my wife. He sustains us. He gave us our calling. He's the author of life and death. And that whether she's alive or whether she goes to heaven, she belongs to him. And so in that regard, God be glorified. I cannot decide that the challenge that we're facing right now is not God working something way beyond what I know and understand. But whether I understand it or know it or not, I got to give him his due. God gets the glory and I give it to him. I don't blame God for anything. I have had 48 years of of a blessed marriage. Uh, And also she's been with me in the ministry for 48 years because she married me. I was saved, sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost. And she's followed me and I, I don't believe I... God, I would have done what I did without that woman with me. And so I thank God for that. Uh, She is now in what is called CMO, uh, um, comfort measures only. The expectation is that she's going to go to heaven soon, as far as they are concerned. Now, she's in God's hands, living or dead. And uh, I've been over there. She's, they've unhooked her from all of the uh, artificial uh, life things. She is breathing on her own. And if she's going to stay alive, God is going to do it. There's no machines that's going to do it. If she's going to go to heaven, then just like it was with Moses, the angels contended for Moses' body. And in my view, this is not something that God has told me, but if, she, if this body gives out, 
there's probably going to be some angels and archangels fighting to escort that woman into heaven. I just want to, I'm just saying. So that's how I look at it. And so for all of you, uh, I'm watching myself to see if I'm kind of feisty over it, if I'm short regarding it. And uh, I am kind of. And, uh, but do I feel emotional about it, Barry? But I don't live by my emotions. I live by my faith. The Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight. Okay? So that's where I'm at in this. So this message today is going to be a summary message that relates to the things that I believe that are important that I've given you over the course of the last year. And I believe that I've said some things to you that it's worth holding on to. Now, I'm the same age as my wife, so I'm old. I don't care about my age. I care about my obedience and my submitting to what God wants to do in my life. When that's done, I've already given Bishop Hunt and Eileen and my son all the instructions. Do me the same way I'm doing my wife. Don't hook me up with nothing. Let me go to heaven because death in the economy of God is not a negative. Death in the economy of God, to be absent from the body, is to be present with the Lord. If that's artificial to me, then fight to try to stay alive in this life. Because I see that most Christians I know want to stay alive in this life when this body, physical body, is not meant to live forever. The Lord gives it in Scripture and says, three score ten is by reason of strength. You just put the picture of a gentleman that God allowed to live for 91 years. And the challenge wasn't that he's not alive. The challenge is the body didn't hold up because the body is redeemed. It's not a permanent body. But as a Christian in 2 Corinthians 5.1, he has another body made by the hands of God instantly he takes that body on and is escorted into heaven. And so this rejoicing in heaven, uh, what's going on in there, that's no joke. What I'm encouraging you, because I, I talked with someone earlier, and I said, I'm going to be talking about a summary, and they said, I could summarize your message. It's living life with eternity in view. You've been talking about eternity the whole time you've been here. Because that has to be your point of reference, because that is the forever realm. It is no joke about it. So this morning, I want to recapitulate some of those things to you. At the same time, reference it from Scripture. So this is hugely important for you to hear the summary message that I have. I would like to encourage you in a discipleship way to get this book called My Journey with God. Now, I never try to sell you anything. Most of the times when I've offered you a book, I gave it to you. Because that's the way this church works in the DNA. I paid for it, but I gave it away. I believe that even right now, as I was saying to Bishop Hunt yesterday, and my own biological son, who is also here, surprised he's not here this morning, he's going to leave because the visiting hours for where she's at are from 9 to 12. So I thought he was going to be in the first service and then uh, leave after that. But he's probably over there with his mama in the hospital at 9 o'clock. He's probably over there right now. But I want to encourage you, and I talked to him about these lessons right here. What would I leave to my son and my daughter that they should know if I wasn't here anymore? Most of those things are contained in this book. I call it my journey with God because most Christians and people I know are not on a journey. They're tripping if you understand what I'm talking about. Christianity is not a trip. It's a journey into Christ-likeness. The goal of God is Romans 8.29. And I'll start out by talking to you there. I want to reiterate to you again. If you get this book, it's a process-driven book. It's not a read-through. It is a work-through. So that... Everything that I have in here by principle, you can work through those things in your own life. So I know if Christ isn't real to me, 
I would act like a little girl and be like crying and wondering, why do you let me go through this? I know some people my wife's age. They're not going through what my wife, why you let my wife go through this? She's been faithful. Why all that old childlike kind of conversation with God? Mm -mm. Not if you follow the journey of the Bible. There's a difference between mourning and grieving. And, and so mourning, the, there's a scriptural pre premise on that. Of course, I'm going to miss. Of course, I'm, I'm sorry that her journey is now has ended here. But grieving, that's where now you're not letting it go. It's affecting your priorities. God, you're not available for ministry. You, you now are letting your emotions take control of you. It's a difference between having compassion in a circumstance for people, for your circumstance, and calling on God for that. But once God says no, or oh, the answer is not the answer you would have given, you don't get to be God in his place. You've got to let God be God. And in this book, I cover all kinds of things like that. And then I cover a history of other great people, men and women, who went through incredible circumstances but who dominated in those circumstances. And in the beginning of it, I give you a chronology. Actually, I'm talking about in chronological order of a timeline of people and events in Christian history. So you can go through this book and, and, and go from the year 33 AD all the way to 1990 and see great things God has done in Christian history. I have it listed. They have them listed, chronological order. So I'm just saying, it's available, and here it is. That's the best I can do in advertising what I put in that book. I never wrote any book because I wanted to be a writer. I wrote the book because there was something that needed to be communicated in print that couldn't be heard in voice. And here's the way they say it out in, the, in, the, in Christian circles. You start a revolution by the spoken word, but you carry it by the printed page. A book can be places I physically can't be all over the world at the same time. Print is huge, even though the book, the way we think of it in the next world, isn't a Bible. Okay? Okay, I, I, don't let me have to go there. I won't. Because I want to say that to you, that heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word endures forever. Does that mean we're going to have a Bible in the next world? Let me answer that for you. No extra charge you will be the Bible in the next world. Okay, you got to think about it. This is the kind of stuff I've been hitting you with the whole time I've been here. This is hugely important. Adam did not have a Bible to learn from. He had to be the Bible. I create you in my image after my likeness. Jesus didn't carry a Bible. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was the essence of this book seen and read of men. And believe it or not, people see and read what Christ is like once you declare you're a Christian. Your life is talking to somebody and they're reading you as to who you look like. You're not, as a Christian, authorized to look like the devil. Or to be like the devil. You're authorized to be like God. And if you will, if you not listen to the devil, you are like God in an amazing way. And don't let the devil fool you with thinking that you are worse than how God made you. You are amazing. And I've said that to you again and again. And the reason is because of creation. So... In Genesis 1, 28, I started you out by talking to you about this. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over 
every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So I've said to you that God made man to lead. To lead. You are a leader by the creation of God. Look at your nature. Verse 26 of Genesis 1. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them, look, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he them, him, male and female, created he them. So that means both of you, both the male and the female, carry the image of God because the image of God is not an issue of gender. It's an issue of behavior. Don't worry about it. This is like, okay, it's way out there, but it's the truth. Now, go with me to Psalms 8. Psalms 8. If you don't have your Bibles with you, what did I say to you back in the day? I assume you memorized it. There you go, right there. So Psalms 8, look what it says. Yesterday, I, I, I had the opportunity just to get in my office and just wait before the Lord. And read the Psalms. I, I read, I can't even tell you how many chapters I read. But there are things in here I want to tell you to bring you kind of up to date. Look at Psalms 8, verse 1. O Lord, our Lord, your majestic name fills the earth. Your glory is higher than the heavens. I would ask you, what's higher than the heavens? He just answers that. We don't usually think like that. That's why I talk to you about heaven. And that realm that God is in. Your name is higher than the heavens. We know of three heavens because Paul talks about one. I knew a man, whether in the body or out of the body, such a one caught up in the third heavens. So that's the realm that God exists in. But David is saying, your name is exalted. Your glory is higher than even the third heavens. God is called the pre-existing one. Meaning before you and I, or God himself, defined existence, he existed. Don't worry about that. Just think about it. The human construct is to always put things in the realm of intelligence. But Christianity is not an issue of intelligence or only smart people could know God. Christianity is in the realm of revelation where God reveals himself to you and out of the reality of his revelation, you dedicate then your life to the reality of God's connection to you. And you live like that. That's why I quoted you the scripture, we walk by faith, not by sight. In other words, he said, he's saying you walk by what you believe, not what you think you know, what you think you understand, what you've experienced, what you've read, what you've been taught. Mm -mm. You by your connection to God is how you live your life. Now, I've said concerning the last two years that I'm, I am disappointed with a number of Christians because they didn't know the Bible clearly enough and they let people who weren't talking the Bible determine the priorities of their lives. Christians did it. Now, do you hear what I'm saying? Do you know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about the COVID conversation. In other words, there are people, there's not just the cancel culture, right? It's the cancel Christians. Jesus says, if you save your life, you're going to lose it. If you lose your life, you're going to save it. In other words, many Christians I know, we rather, he says, forsake not the assemblies of yourselves together. There are many Christians I know that said, if I go to church, I'm going to get COVID and die. And what my answer to you is that is to that is, isn't that a good death? That you died in obedience to what God said because he said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. And then he named it as some has. So this wouldn't have just started now. So you would have died in obedience to God going to church and staying in alignment with God over what Fauci and those lying government people said over the false science. Sure, that people died. But don't you know that Christianity was built on martyrdom? 
that for the first 300 years after the resurrection of, 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 of Jesus, Christians got killed declaring they're children of God. Martyred them. That's how, that's how it was built. But every person that was martyred, scores of people said, I'm going to take their place. Today, we don't even have a theology of martyrdom. martyrdom. Now, one of my sons, or you've met him, Bishop Bruce Clark, has 7 p.m. prayer meeting. Upon, you know, just the thought of it, 7 p.m. prayer, they have to come to church every day. He has it seven days a week. He said God told him to do it all the way to the end of the year. When I thought about that, I said, hmm, every day? So what he did is he had other pastors who would take one of the days, and, their, and then their influence of people would come and do the prayer meeting. Some of his leaders take one day. And there, there end up being a substantial number of people because different ones of them take different days, and they come every day. Well, he says, my house should be called the house of prayer. This is a prayer strategy. I'm thinking, well, wow, man. There's the, he's in D.C. area. The D.C. traffic. You know, the people getting off work late. You know, people, you know, having the family, eating and all that. Well, if they come one day, that's one day? Listen to this. You're saying that somebody that God is going to give the world to. It's all in Psalms 8. You're going to inherit the world you can't even come to church one day a week to pray? You mean you are the kind of person that God is going to turn over creation to that can't even go to church? Like, that's why I get, I'm shouting, her, I'm shouting uh, Pastor Yvette down when she's talking about all that because substance in God is built on sacrifice. Gather the saints unto me, them that's made a covenant with me by sacrifice. You, 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 you can't be a great Christian around convenience. You can't even be a great basketball player, you, a great football player, a professional golfer around convenience. You can't get good by practicing when you want to rather than when you ought to. This guy that was a basketball player named Iverson got in trouble when he said, man, because he, he, he wasn't coming to practice. He says, practice? That's just practice. Man, they railed on him. He became more famous for saying that than he did for playing basketball. Because he didn't understand that his present stewardship would become his future responsibility. How you practice was a signal to how you were going to play. He was defying that. He was saying, I can play good even if I don't practice. What he didn't realize, he could have played better if he did practice. What I'm saying to you is that this whole life is nothing but practice. You've got to really look at what kind of Christian you really are, not what kind of Christian you think you are. You've got to ask yourself what we're going to read here. Is God going to turn significant portions of his creation over to your hands? Now, I'm telling you right now. With my woman being sick like this, and you asking me to come down for a year, this has been a challenge for me. But it's also helped champion me. Because I can remember when I was in Germany, and I was going over there to try to help Merkel do reconciliation. I mean, the Syrian refugees. I mean, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get to Merkel. I couldn't get to her. But even though I didn't get to her, I remember laying on the side of the bed in those little rooms. It was like, I don't know what hotel, maybe the Holiday Inn Select or something. But the rooms were little. I didn't like that, but I was on assignment. I'm kind of like that, though. I'm on assignment, so I handled a little. So there was about this much space between this and the desk. I'm on the floor laying before God, praying for God to help Germany. And, and, and the picture that God gave me was uh, uh, Daniel interceding, praying. And, and then when the angel, the archangel finally appeared to him, he said, from the first day you prayed, I heard. God wasn't just trying to, to give me an answer. He was trying to transform a country. He doesn't always tell you the effect of your prayers. But he still wants the obedience of prayer. My house should be called a house of prayer. God doesn't show you everything. 
that you're doing and the effect of it. Because much of what you may be praying, like for example, Daniel's prayer, he said three weeks later the angel came down, answered his prayer, he was laid out. But, but let me tell you this, it's Daniel that talked about the abomination of desolation. That hasn't even happened yet. So he's already prayed and put a word out thousands of years ahead of what's going to happen in the future. There is an eternal part of you. And there is an effect that you're having in the invisible world that the devil is trying to keep you so naturally minded that you're no spiritually good. That all your life is about what's happening in the earth. So now we're caught up. We're caught up in a war. Now let me read something to you. I, 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 read, I read probably, I don't know, maybe 17 chapters of this Psalms. I don't know. They're not called chapters. Uh, so, look at verse 1. Oh, Lord, our Lord, your majesty, name, your, your, your majesty, I'm reading out of the living Bible. Your majestic name fills the earth. Your glory is higher than the heavens. You have taught children and infants to tell of your strength. In another version, it says to give you praise. You've taught children to give you praise. Except you remain as a little child, you can in no wise inherit the kingdom. You don't have to be grown up to know how to give God praise. God expects you, because compared to who God is, we're nothing but children. We're children in our knowledge. We're children in our power. We're children in our ability to be able to, uh, to assess the global uh, periphery of what's going on. Even right now, in here, I, wanna, I, w- I do want to comment on what's happening in terms of the Ukraine and those things. And, uh, because there's something in the Bible that relates to that. And, and all of the challenges we have in life. And you and I, as Christians, have God on the solution side of the challenges of our lives. But to the degree that you are not a real Christian, you are as afraid as the world is right now that there may be a nuclear catastrophe. If you look closely at the Bible, it looks like at the end of the age, there is going to be something like that that's going to happen. But let me just say this. The... God himself is going to ascend. He's going to come down with the archangels, the trump of God, and the earth is going to be consumed with fervent heat. An atomic explosion is nowhere near the level of the appearing of God. Even the elements are going to be consumed. Look, let me tell you. I wrote down, I have it in one of my, my notes, about the different levels of the presence of God. People, Christians, they ask for the presence of God. But wait a minute. You need to qualify that. Because the presence of God came down in Numbers 11 when Aaron and Miriam were criticizing Moses. They got now God's condemning presence because God wasn't in agreement with them. You and I need to make sure our lives are never in disagreement with God. I'd rather be in disagreement with the president, be disagreement with these nonsense warmongers, be in disagreement with, with anybody but God. Because if God be for us, come on, who can be against us? So how can I believe something God hasn't said and expect God to back me? I need to know what he said and then believe it and then activate it no matter what the devil is doing. And what's going on? Stay in alignment with God. So this nonsense that's going on right now, who's responsible for the condition of the earth? Well, the way you got to ask it, you say, well, God, God, how? Well, God never gave up responsibility for his creation. But who did he leave in charge of the earth? Let me just answer that for you. No extra charge. Who he put in charge of it originally. He never took it back. I just read it to you. Adam. Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. Jesus is called the last Adam. So God has never taken back mankind's responsibility for the whole earth. Now, how clear do you know that? Because some mama's boy, some daddy's girl is leading. The only issue is, is they're leading for God or they're leading for the powers of darkness. But man is in charge of everything. The issue is who you are under, what you are born of. 
So it's not surprising. Now, let me tell you something. Did Jesus ever negotiate with the devil? He had negotiated with demons, but only to put them in a place of retrograde. Tim, can we go over here? Can, let, let us, don't destroy us. Have you come to torment us before the time? Remember the demon said to Jesus? They're intimidated by his presence. Is the devil intimidated by your presence? It'll never happen until you get consecrated. That's why I've been talking to you guys. I felt that you were good ground about consecration. That's why the 8-8. That's why the 10-10. Because if, if, if somebody doesn't challenge you, you're going to choose the soft way. And the soft way won't, you can't beat the devil. Because the devil is, is evil, wicked. He has a passion to destroy you. Just like this president of this other country has a passion to be the dominating country of the world. He's just not after some little nation. He's a formidable nation, but not without God. Let me tell you what's missing right now. The pulpits of the world are not blazing with fire because the messaging of the world becomes the word that's being preached to the world. Now, some of you, you got, I don't know, this bishop is screaming at me now. No. Just go to our original documents. I have some of them. I even have that. I've read some of them to you. Like, for example, let me just, since you asked, you shouldn't have asked me. This is called the Constitution of Delaware. Who do you know that's from Delaware? Huh? President Biden. So here is the original document for their constitution, 1776, every person who shall be chosen a member of either house or appointed to any office or place of trust before taking his seat or entering upon the execution of his office shall take the following oath or affirmation. If conscientiously scrupulous of taking an oath to wit, here it is, I, President Biden, will bear true allegiance to the Delaware state, submit to its constitution and laws, and do no act wittingly whereby the freedom thereof may be prejudiced. And also make and subscribe the following declaration to wit. I, President Biden, do profess faith in God the Father and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, and in the Holy Ghost, one God blessed forevermore. And I do acknowledge the holy scriptures of the Old and New Testament to be given by divine inspiration. That was the original document of the Constitution of Delaware. I sourced it out for you, just in case you don't do original research. Yale Law School Avalon Project. You can find that if you just look it up. So I'm not hyping you. I'm telling you the truth. Now they changed that. And taking off all that part I just read just by saying, I do swear by the Constitution of Delaware. No allegiance to God the Father. No allegiance to the Holy Ghost. No allegiance to the Word of God. And guess what? That's what we're getting. So now, watch. Now, I'm going to go here. I'm going to read, I'm going to read some more Psalms 8. So what's happened to our culture? Now, I've told you this before. If you're from the ghetto and gutter like I'm from, and you go to a guy in the streets, and he bumps into you, and you look at him. He said, "What?" He said, "Chump, what you doing?" I said, "Nothing." He said, "You bumped into me." No, I said, "You bumped into me." I said, "Well, well, wait a minute. Let's talk about it." He immediately is going to slap me in my face. Cause why? He's ghetto. He's he's the streets. He wants to fight. He lives in a in a, in a, a community of offense. And if his boys is with him, he's going he's gonna to fight. And, and if you're winning, his boys going to jump on you. And as soon as you say, let's talk about it, he's ghetto. He wants to fight. I ain't talking to you, chump. Exactly the way the president of this country, of that country, that's broke out in, in 2022 with nuclear war potential. You attack another country with the globe looking at you. He's already sized up his enemy. 
His enemy, he knew, wasn't just going to be Ukraine. He knew his enemy was going to be NATO. But he's already seen that NATO and all the green people don't want to fight. They want to talk. You can't talk to nonsense. He thinks that your wanting to talk makes you a punk. So he's punking you out. He's making the bold statements, but he's backing it up. He's bombing people. The innocent people, you said they're innocent. And then they said, well, he's not committed to the laws of war. Now what ghetto guy going to commit to any laws of fight? They're going to knock you out. They're going to get a stick, bust you in the head. They're going to take a gun and shoot you. There ain't no laws. Because the NATO group you're following, he knows they're all scared. Why? You've proven it during COVID. You've proven, the church has proven it, that unless the church puts the messaging out that gives you courage, no one else now is believable. Who would you believe? You can't believe the government leaders because our present governmental leaders have lied to our faces. The present president said, we're not going to do fracking, fricking or whatever it is. <laughs> well, that other word is not a good word, but it's <laughs> some people, yeah, that's just fracking, it's that. And so, don't worry about it, honey. You wouldn't understand that word. You, you educated. <laughs> so, so, you're the attorney. You like the, 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 you like the pastor here. So, so look. <laughs> you educated. You don't, even, you don't even know those kind of words. So, anyway, so, so what's happened is we're, we're living in a day where they say, I'm not going to stop the Alaskan pipeline. You guys in, in Pennsylvania, you're going to be able to work. You're going to be able one week, the same, the next week after he became president, what did he do? He stopped the Alaskan pipeline. So guess what? We're dependent upon Russian oil. We, it's said in science, I can't prove it, but you got to look it up. We have more oil from Alaskan pipeline than the Middle East. But the environmental people said, oh, you're going to mess up our environment. And, and so we should, so, so go ahead then and keep buying the oil. They're doing it now. They're still buying the oil from Russia, in effect, financing, because their number one monetary source is oil. So it's American money keep giving them the ability to be able to keep fighting. Because eventually, if you don't have no money, and you can't buy food, and you can't have anybody that favors you, you're not going to be able to sustain you like some of those, those, um, Tanks, they're on the side of the road right now. If you block the airways where they can't fly in, how do you think they get all for, the, for, the, for the, the, the tanks and stuff? Where do you think they get the fuel and all that from? You, and, and if you're fighting a nation, if you ghetto, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, if you're going to get me, I know you're going to get me, I'm going to burn up all my oil tanks. I'm going to burn up every resource. I'm going to, even if I can't consume all the food, you're not going to be able to use it. They should be stuck. You're going to come. I'm a Vietnam veteran. The Vietnamese fought underground. It was terrorists. We couldn't beat them. Russia couldn't beat Afghanistan. Why? Because they fought underground. They hid in those mountains. They come out. And look, and what we don't realize is most of Russia's military are 18 and 19-year-old kids. If you come at them strong enough, they'll be scared to death. I'm way ahead of you right now. And I'm screaming. Spitting is a good thing. You're out of spitting different di distance faster. You are. You got to fight fear like it's a plague. It was not COVID that you, that was your problem. It was fear that was your problem. And the Bible says God had not given you a spirit of fear. The same courage you would have to defeat courage you need to have to defeat the enemy of your whole free market system. Notice how they talk. Free market? You think the issue of freedom is about your money? Yeah. Because they think you're going to stop get, let this guy get money so the oligarchs, I mean, you know that terminology? I'm talking to Latino people, but you would probably say it in another way. Say, you know oligarchs? These are these people that finance Putin and his money. These are, like they just showed this morning, I, I'm like 5 o'clock, I'm, I'm like 1 o'clock at night looking at BBC News. 
because they report news, they don't, they don't proselytize opinions. Most of Fox, CNN, uh, MSNBC, all of those guys, they're opinion-shaping. They're not giving you the news. Look at BBC News Watch. They're just telling you what is happening. They're not interpreting it for you. I, that's why I look at it. I don't need you knucklehead to interpret nothing for me. Just give me what's happening and I'll interpret it myself. Clearly, that's what I'm doing for you this, this morning. <laughs> interpreting it for you. Glory to God. And so, you have to listen to somebody that's not afraid. Sure, America and the environment is dirtied by people. But they're people who are submitted to the powers of darkness. You can clean up the dirt, but if you don't clean up the people who make the dirt, the dirt is going to reappear. And that's what we don't get. Who's going to clean them up? The church. It's the messaging of the church that's going to empower the people to not stand for nonsense. Until the church becomes strong again. Now, we call it revival. Now, revival to us is what happens in the church service. Well, I can feel God in here. Oh, God, I, got, I wanted to. I needed to repent of my sins. Oh, God. And then you go back doing what you normally do. In other words, there's an emotional change, but not a behavioral one. And Christianity is about behavior. When you read Revelations 21.8, the fearful, you see, the unbelievers, adulterers, fornicators, these are all, these are all behavior. Are going to find themselves in the lake of fire. Behavior. And you and I, I, I want the behavior that's it's heaven. I want to I wanna look the centurion in his face. He says, answer me. Don't you think I can take your life? And he looks him in his face and stares him down and says, you can't take my life. I lay my life down. In other words, you can't intimidate me, knucklehead. Who are you talking to? He doesn't know. He didn't know who he was talking to. He only had a form of God. He only knew about God, but he didn't know God. That's something you got to get clear. Do you know more about God than you know God? This is what I discovered about myself doing my wife's thing in the last 10 months. I don't know God as well as I think I do. Know God? The one whose glory is in is before the third heavens? The self-existing one? The one that challenges the devil himself and he's not even a worthy foe and all of the sons of darkness, principalities, powers, might, dominions. No match for God. He wouldn't even have to pay attention to them at all. Why? He's all powerful. They're nothing without him. His very presence could wipe them out without him opening his mouth. That's my father. I'm going to please him. Anybody else? No way. I ain't pleasing you. I'm living for God. What has happened to us in our generation is there's been such a retrograde. We've gone backwards. Instead of living for God, being strong in the Lord and the power of his might, instead of not bowing down to all the stuff you want to do, the behavior. Look at the behavior of Miami. Look at the behavior. Does that sound like these are godly people or godless people? It doesn't mean they don't have some of God, but they have a lot less of God than they ought to. How is it going to happen? Is God got to peer down in the sky and just say, and then do like he did with some of the kings of Daniel? Like he did with, with Cyrus and you know, handwriting on the wall. Or what does he have to do? Give you a dream? What does he have to do? I don't know, but I'm screaming it out to you right now. I'm screaming. I'm not, I don't even call this preaching. I'm just giving you the truth and applying it. Now, this is what I told Hunt, and this is what I realized about me. See, I know that some of you, you're not going to lead. You're just not going to do it. You're going to stay in the background and follow people that, that know more than you but don't know God. Unless you decide listening to me right now. Now, this is different from your pastor 
that's a bishop, when he heard me talk about his sons and, daughter, and daughters ought to lead in the school level, I can tell you I got a couple here that took that challenge. I, I have a manuscript right here that you've never seen. It would have made it to, um, it would have made it in my book, but it didn't. Called College Students. This is it right here. The New Emerging Leadership. In other words, my goal wasn't just to reach college students so they can get saved, but to reach college students so they could be transformed to take over what they were going to be educated for. I'm not just going to be a doctor. I'm going to be a doctor with the power of God back at me, and I'm going to convert every doctor that's my friend so that he would have God as his emanating source of ability. I told you about uh, Chansey Phillips. Chauncey Phillips, that's a doctor, over in West Palm Beach. He's been on 700 Club. He was on the board of Regent University. I was on the board with him. That, that he was doing heart surgery. He's like, your dad. Uh, your dad. He, he had, but his is heart. He would do 800 to 1,200. How could you do um, heart surgeries a year? He says it was a gift from God. But he's had them die on the table. And, and, and he would use two complete teams a day. They couldn't hang with him. And then one died and they on the table while he was, before he started operating. And when that thing redlined or whatever it does, you know, he started praying. He started praying in tongues. These, these, the, the people around him, the nurses, the doctor, they weren't saved. He, he prayed in tongues. So they saw that before he could operate, all of a sudden, that thing started going, boop, boop. I mean, I'm not talking about for like, you, go, go do God, Chance, Chauncey Phillips. Look that up. The thing went, boop, 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 boop. Raised them from the dead on the table. He lives right up the street practically from you. So not everybody is capitulating. He's educated. He's rich. He's famous. He's known as a great heart surgeon, but he's a dedicated Christian who don't compromise at all. Look, in that board meeting, I can say it. I mean, even if Gordon Robinson is looking at me right now, it doesn't matter. In that board meeting, when Pat Robinson said, Bishop, we want you to pray, or Chauncey, we want you to pray, the board meeting became a prayer meeting. Don't ask me to pray and then try to dictate how long or the passion in it or whether I pray in the spirit or not. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to pray. You didn't, give me, you didn't give me limitation. Didn't give him. That's how he is. That's actually how I am. That's why I can do eight hours like that. I've always been like that. I've been like that. When I... I, my Christianity got to be greater than my nonsense before I became a Christian. Do you hear what I'm saying? In other words, I would stay out all night. I would party. I would do that. So you're saying if I could stay out and party all night, drink, get high, smoke, take mescaline, if I did all of that for the devil, you tell me I'm going to get saved and I can't do that for God? I can't pray all night? I can't fast 40 days? I've driven halfway across the country on a long fast. Bishop Hunt had to come get me because I fasted. At the end of the fast, I was too weak to drive back. He had to fly halfway across the country and drive me back from my fast. But why? I was weak because I was bringing the flesh under the authority of God so that my priority would be God himself. So all the stuff that God has allowed when, when the bishop showed you my videos and all that, I didn't, I didn't apply for that. I didn't apply to talking promise keepers, 70, 80,000 people like that. So I never rejoiced over it. Have you seen me? Have you seen all these people that God had me before? I didn't do nonsense like that. A remnant. If I could get you to understand you're a remnant, you're a small number but you have a big God inside of you. You could shake the earth. It doesn't matter what gender you are. 
You could change the whole environment of a generation. We got a man that was barely known as president of the Ukraine. Now, he's become the voice of courage for the whole world. Do you see how fast? Don't even speak English. But you tell me English people aren't listening. I got to go on. You know I hate it, right? You know I hate going on, ending. I'm just getting started. I've been like hours into this. I got lots of stuff. Mm -mm, I'm not sermonizing. I'm talking to you about what's real. My wife's situation is real, but not more real than God. Where she's going to heaven. Now, you, you, you would not, I've never heard anything like this before. I'm telling my wife, go ahead to heaven. I have not moved anything that was beside me in the bedroom of hers. Her pocketbook is still in front of the, of the, of the uh, what do you call that table? The lamps, the lampstand. Her clothes are still hung up in the room, the same place. Her shoes are still in the shoe things. My wife is not there. But whatever she was to me, God gave it to her. And the God that gave her that ability is still there with me. I have to allow God to be more real to me. Because everything my wife was to me came from God. In this case now, I bypass the channel and go to the source. God has to be my companion. Do I feel like when I see her... You should have seen it when I saw them take that thing out for her, that, that uh, ventilator. And I, I took a picture of it. I didn't want to stay in the room. So I had to say, get some courage, Boone. You're a wimp. So I, 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 I went back to the window and took a picture of it. And for the first time, I saw my wife with an expression on her face in pain. Like they, were, they were like, you're hurting my wife. I wanted to knock them out. But they were trying to help her. I had to rise up above it. I still can't say to God, why are you letting her go through that, God? I still got to say you're in charge. That's your body. That's your daughter. That's your woman. They're just doing their job. They told me she was going to be comfortable. They said she's going to be, com- she's gonna be uh, comfortable. That doesn't look like comfort to me. Ah, 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 ah. She looks like she's choking to me. Can't you do something about that? But greater than day, God could do something about it. And he let it happen. I said, God be glorified. It's something you're working, God, greater than any of us can see. You're amazing. See? God wants to see me hold the line. So, if she goes home and be with the Lord anytime soon, I'm already making plans. See? Bishop Joaquin said, this, this month is the last month for me. In the bishop's meeting, I wasn't there. But it's not the last of our relationship. This is permanent. I talk about him like he's the real thing. I don't know if you understand the level. When you listen to all the places he's going. These are people who heard him recently. This this isn't planning from last year. This isn't that, okay, we got to do a conference. We're going to do an annual conference nonsense. He's not annual. He's right now. You've got to hear this word and get changed. That's what he's doing. You've got to get behind him in every way you can because God graced you with somebody dedicated like that. Okay, come on, Psalms 8. Let me, let me just speed. And then I'm going to do something that's going to amaze you. It's going to amaze everybody around here. You've taught children and infants, okay? Look, look at verse 3, just Psalms 8. When I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, that fingers mean grass. There's nothing out of God's grass. There's nothing going on with you. That's what that word fingers means. It means to seize. God, listen people, God has a hold of the earth. It's in his hands. It says he measures 
the creation by the span of his hand. Meaning, from the thumb to the long finger, he could tell everything that's going on in the entire creation. That's the kind of God you're dealing with. God like that, I'm submitting to you. Yes. It's yes, sir. It's yes, sir. I'm bowing and kissing his feet and everything. That's why I'm talking to you like this. I'm not intimidated by you. I am intimidated by God. I'm clearly scared of him. And I realize I'm not as consecrated as I think I am. Because of who he is and what he can do and what he has done. I mean, I can't mess with somebody like that. Look. Look. And then he says this. To the moon and the stars you set in place. That means the arrangement, the order. So we're intimidated. The Russia said they're going to take away our rocket engines because we are, we're, we're, t- we're not, we're going to, what's that we call themselves doing to Russia? We are what? Sanctioning. They said, you're going to sanction Russia. said, you're going to sanction us? Guess what? We're going to take away the rocket engines. You're not going to be able to do space travel. And then what happens? Elon Musk said, what? You're going to, you think that the government is the only one that can do space travel? Now there are several billionaires that have built rockets and that also own satellites. Why aren't they one of you? Here's the reason to have money. That's why you got to get this anti-broke mentality, anti-rich mentality out. You got to give God permission to make you rich, but here is the use of it. God gives you power to get wealth to establish his covenant in the earth, his kingdom. You don't have to spend money on yourself because you have it. But look at, look at this. And I heard the Secretary of State say this morning that we're going we're gonna to send $18 million over there. We sent $18 million over there. What did you just say, knucklehead? Any one of those 400 billionaires could send a billion dollars. If each of the 400 of them, there would be 400 billion they would have to spend. They don't know what the money is for. They just have it. They think the money, they look. And then you, you want it, you, we, we're giving them $18 million. Look, one of the yachts in France from the oligarchs, meaning the people that robbed their own country of their money, and they became billionaires by robbing their own people, the poor people, have a $125 million yacht right there on the coast of, right there on the dock in France. The yacht is worth six times more than the money you're going to give them to get them out of war? You're not giving them nothing. But I got to give Elon Musk and his Tesla making self credit for saying, okay, I'm going to take care of this. I'm, uh-uh, I'm getting involved in this. Now, there's CIA, there are FBI. There are KGB people here. His life is on the line with that. What I would want is that he would give God the glory for what he's doing. That's the difference. So if he's not going to give God the glory, it's the king's answers, listen, without the king. God says the goal is mine, the silver is mine. Even though Elon Musk is stewarding the money, God says it's my money. You're letting, and we're letting, wicked or man that doesn't claim to know Jesus take our place in the administration of the money. Why? Because you don't want to be rich. If you'll let God make you rich, you don't have to buy yourself a new Rolls Royce with it. Where I live down there at Windsor, Windsor at Doral, and, and when I, go, I went over to Trump, I took some people over to Trump over there, you know, doesn't Ain't nothing but they got Bentleys tricked out. Orange Bentleys. They got green Lamborghinis SUVs. These people, they don't understand what they could do with their money if God got a hold of them. Transform countries. You don't understand. I'm just saying. I got to go. Yet you made them only a little lower than God. Verse 5. Yet you made them. What are human beings that you should care for them? This is why. Yet you made them a little lower than God. The word God is Elohim. 
I'm going to have to finish this the next message, but and crown them with glory and honor. The word crown means to encircle, to watch, for, look, for protection and attack. In other words, you crowned with an ability of God that if somebody messes with you, you can mess them up and you don't really know it yet. Watch what he says. What you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Thou shalt decree a thing and it shall be done unto thee. You have an ability from the inside of you building up yourself on your most holy faith to shut down the devil's work by a word. But didn't Russia go to war by a word? The problem is this Putin doesn't respect the word of the United Nations. His word in his mind is backed by his weapons. Only a Christian with God's backing has the weapons that can shut down the devil's mess. And the shame is they don't realize they do. Now, let me just say again. I know I'm talking to people that are concerned about their natural circumstances, the job, the promotion, the retirement. Okay, so I'm old. I should be thinking about that, right? I get Social Security, 405 a month. I get Social Security, okay? So there you go. They're not my source. Curse is a man that makes flesh his arm. My Social Security is not what I live by. Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word. Now, I was going to ask you, but I got to close now, to stand up, but don't stand up. If I asked you to stand up, this is what I was going to say. I was going to ask you to turn to Deuteronomy 8, which says, man doesn't, don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So watch. Your stand is based on your standards. In other words, you're no more solid in your stand than the standards that you're living by. The undefeatable standard is the veracity of the word of God. If you will be the people that will say to God, God, if you use me to shut down a nation, if you use me to, 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 beat, to defeat the enemies of the purpose of heaven, if you would use me to take over a nation, he may not do it immediately, but he may start the process of transforming you to be used on the veracity of your dedication this moment on it could be that God says I'm choosing you I'm going to use you because isn't that the testimony of what we have as we look back at history in my book that I showed you the blue book <laughs> I, I have people in there that change history by their dedication to God you are the new history maker you are the ones that people should write about a generation from now. You are the ones that God can rely on that turn things around where the earth was going to the pit and to hell. No, God made you to say this far, shall your evil come and no further. Doesn't matter if you're young or old, rich or poor, educated or uneducated. You make a dedication to God and declare it out of your mouth. God is waiting. Watch. The eyes of the Lord roam to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong to those who are what? Faithful to him. <laughs> I was trying to get Bishop to talk loud. God's looking for you. Stand up for him. And there's no greater backing you can have than the almighty God backing you. Now, if you'll read, now, okay? If you'll read from here, Psalms 8, to Psalms uh, 21. That's what it is. So now, so what I did, watch this, in Psalms 18, for the choir director, Psalm of David, look, the servant of the Lord. Where's my daughter, that the opera singer right here? Where is she? There she is, all the way back there. So, so watch this, daughter. I already put the word out about you. I told Bishop Hunt, you know, get her to sing over there for you. Look, 
He sang this song to the Lord on the day the Lord rescued him from all his enemies and from Saul. He sang. So this whole Numbers 18, Bishop, he sang that to the Lord. Let me tell you what I did last night. This is the first time I ever did it. I sang this whole song to the Lord. In the natural, it was the worst sounding thing I ever heard. I'm clear. I'm clear about it. I was out of tune with my voice, but I was in tune with the words. So I'm going to sing the first verse to you right now. This needs to go down on record because I don't know one song all the way through. I love you, Lord. You are my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me, and my place of safety. That's the best I can do right there. You're not going to make me be embarrassed. I know I can't sing. But I love the song of the Lord, who he is. And I can never be embarrassed about the greatness of God. Father, thank you so much for these who are under the sound of my voice. This is a great church. These are great people. I, I've called them out. I, I've, you sent me here. And under the last year, I've been purged. I've been challenged. I've been broken down. But that's where I belong. I don't at all feel like I'm in the wrong place. You've sent me here. Thank you for letting me get to meet somebody that Bishop Hunt and Eileen have known, where their daughter, while going through college, came to this church while in college, learned the language, and now is married to a great pastor. She's a pastor's wife. I believe there's something to that, that while this church wouldn't take the credit for what's going on with her, but they're part of the infusion of the transformation of her life. So Bishop Hunt and Eileen and I and my wife owe this church and this environment a debt of gratitude for the lives they're living, for the example they're setting, for the standard they're keeping. To God be the glory. I cancel the assignment of the devil against them. I declare the hand and handiwork of the Lord is working. Their pastor now is being used right now. And over the next few weeks, other cities, are going to be affected by the leadership of this church to God be the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And all the people said, God bless you, God bless you.